Hello and welcome to the fourth Bottom Line Business Podcast on Amplitude 2019. I'm John Purcell. Amplitude is the title of a conference that took place in Kilkenny on November the 6th last. This is the second year of the Amplitude event, which is led by the Technology Transfer Offices and Research Centres from Waterford Institute of Technology and the Institute of Technology Carlow. This year, Amplitude is also supported by Purdy Lucy and Kilkenny County Council. Amplitude has been designed to offer a unique opportunity for companies, particularly multinationals and SMEs, to understand the complex world of collaboration on research and how to access large funding pots. This year, Amplitude focused on four industry areas, precision agriculture, future health, smart energy and manufacturing, engineering and design. The conference boasted a hugely impressive list of speakers, including experts from UPMC International and Smart AgriHubs Ireland, as well as Horizon 2020, VHI, Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, Science Foundation Ireland and the National Development Research Centre. There were also representatives of other key stakeholder organisations such as Enterprise Ireland, the IDA, Knowledge Transfer Ireland and the Department of Health. One of the conference objectives is seeking to enable participants to understand how relatively easy it is to collaborate with an IT partner in the areas of research, innovation, support and the sourcing of funding streams. And I have to say that while there, I was really impressed by how eager all the partners were to work with businesses. In today's podcast, we catch up with some of the many interesting people from business and from the key stakeholder agencies who were at the conference. Let's have a listen. My name is Dr. Pat Lynch. I'm from Waterford Institute Technology and I'm the director of the Rikon Research Centre. And you're moderating uh, the session on uh, energy. Yes, uh, this is actually quite exciting and uh, quite a dynamic uh, area and it affects every single business in Ireland. The the laws are changing in uh, Europe. Uh, We have a lot more directives coming down the track and there's going to be the companies, genuinely, companies can make a lot of savings on their energy and sometimes we don't actually think about energy as being a cost to the companies. It's As you say, it's a huge area because with climate change a huge amount of change is going to be required so there's opportunities but also obligations on companies so it's something that people won't be able to ignore no um, this is it's on it's on the way uh, and one good thing about I think companies in Ireland is that we're very quite proactive in terms of how we come at things once we understand what it is that we need to do and our companies are the best in in class and um, what you got so you know like if you're a company uh, you know, it's coming in, and even if you can't make it today, you know, listening to some of the podcasts and stuff like this, these guys know what they're talking about. You know, and I'm looking forward myself to learning as well on, on this. And the theme of the conference is disruptive innovation, and it's an area that needs huge disruption. If we're talking about the transition to electric cars, you know, all that kind of stuff, there's a huge potential for people with ideas that they think they can d- develop, and you guys are there to help them. Yeah, and I just 
just to give you an example, like uh, coming down the track in uh, Europe is that uh, energy companies are going to have to pay for unused energy in houses because it's called flexibility. So what we don't use, uh, they sell back into uh, the grid. That in itself, there's so many business opportunities there, you know, like in terms of retrofitting houses, um, equipment going into houses. And it's just not, that's just on domestic. Then you have uh, industry. So what I would be saying to companies is that, look, you might think that, oh, disruptive innovation is not for me. You know, forget about titles, forget about fancy words and everything else, right? If you've got an idea, no matter in what area it is, there is some Somebody in Waterford Institute Technology and Institute Technology Carlo that can genuinely help you potentially even secure funding to enable you to actually go on that journey so that you're not actually putting your hand into your pocket and you know and maybe taking a punt and then go oh that didn't work but come into us we can actually help you for you even spend one cent whether it's actually the right thing to do for your company or maybe you might even be in uh, you know like uh, an entrepreneur that's at home in your sitting room saying I actually want to set up my own business we have so many support so many resources it's just and I suppose what this is is that people don't know you know and we talked in the first podcast about getting into the nitty gritty and you and I were just chatting before we turned on the recorder here about the, the huge gains that can be made from small incremental savings and you guys are there to focus down on the, the extra 1% can make a huge difference oh listen uh, Rikon I suppose what we do in Rikon is that we go into companies and uh, we, in essence, save you money. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, we try to make money for the company on your existing products or services and etc. So essentially, we come in and we just make you work smarter, right? And like, if you like, you know, if you can get a, someone or a process, and sometimes we do things because we've always done them, rather than actually, I know I should fix that, but you don't have time. So we come in and we fix all that. Uh, and if you can get even a 15% productivity in across the organization that's like a person working 2 or 3% better right? 1% extra onto the net margin is the gain it, we get more gain on this than you can actually do from any sales that you do out in uh, industry and then when you make your next sale you're actually making more money so work smarter work smarter better and I suppose that's the theme of uh, this conference as well and maybe uh, what you call it that could be the disruption that anybody does. And let's be honest, it's hard to disrupt ourselves sometimes. Yeah, well, disrupt your bad habits, I suppose. That's all it is. It's like, it's, you know what, it's like losing weight, isn't it? <laughs> sometimes easier said than done. Yeah, or going to that gym or exercise. And it's the same thing in a company. Sometimes we just have to get back into the gym, just for, get onto the treadmill for a bit. And then you don't need us again then afterwards because you know your business. And that's what we do in Rikon. We come in, get you back up onto that treadmill and you're going to then and I suppose the first uh, to use that analogy the first step is just going into the gym is the hardest one what do you say Uh, to people then about uh, you know how do you join the gym of Rikon or all the facilities that are there there is just come on to the and it doesn't matter to be honest you could be from Dublin it doesn't matter where you're from Uh, just go on to the uh, main website of WIT ITC click on industry and they will bring you straight to uh, a person to talk to and that person, they're industry liaison officers in all institutes technology and they will direct you to a centre or you can contact like someone like myself and Rikon straight away and we'll come back to you 
meet with you and assess. And, and, and John, I just want to say, like, there's no competition here uh, between our job is to make companies better. And if the if the person needs to be in Carlo or DIT, like I'm sending a company up to DIT this week because the skill set is in DIT, right? But they will eventually come back into the Southeast a far better company and make hire more people. Make so not only is it Institute for Technology Carlo and Watford Institute for Technology, but you can tap into the whole network yeah. throughout the country. There's, and in fairness to Enterprise Ireland and the IDA and the industry liaison offices and uh, technology transfer offices, there's a there's a national network here for you to tap into, and uh, there's a national funding network for here for you to tap into, and you know what's a cup of coffee and a half an hour conversation that you might go, I might do it next year, but but now you know uh, what you could potentially get, you know. Eilish Delaney, Design Plus Gateway Manager at the Institute of Technology, Carlo. I'm Ramesh Raghavendra. I'm a director of a research centre called SEAM, uh, who stands for Southeastern Applied Materials Centre, based in Waterford Institute of Technology. Now, um, we've spoken before, both of you uh, working in distinct areas, but a lot of commonality. Uh, Eilish, you work in uh, design of products and services, mainly in the services area, and Ramesh, you're a lot on the processes, materials. Tell us a bit more about your roles, Ramesh. Okay, my role is now as a director of a research centre now we provide okay our, our center it provides materials and design engineering solutions for wide-ranging industrial sectors right uh, from medical devices to pharma to precision engineering to electronics and so forth yeah uh, so we provide a uh, uh, direct uh, what you call consultancy services for example if, if any product breaks down or anything like that we can look at it and we can find out why it break and also the source why it, or and also we provide mitigation solutions as well yeah how we can provide such failures yeah. and we also do a kind of a longer what you call a innovation type of projects and, and also research applied research project kind of long term either for product improvement or process improvement and so forth yeah now Elish before I, I started this deep dive into into the work of the institutes um, uh, I thought of design as kind of graphic design but but you have a far deeper understanding of design and application of design in, in your role um, yes absolutely I suppose we look at design in terms of the research and development side so it's not all about the aesthetics, really. It's it's really in terms of product design, service design. Um, we also do a lot of design strategy with companies, so be it startup companies and established SMEs. So what we normally bring them through is kind of like a four-stage process. We work with the company. We, we always encourage them to come back to the design strategy phase. So at that phase is really about like scoping and framing their existing resources, looking at what current products and service they have on the market and seeing how we can actually further innovate that um, and then once we have that process stage done we move them across they, we work hand in hand then with our visual communication designer on I suppose mapping that whole stage out so what will actually visually look like for the user so what we do is we keep the user at mind at all at all costs and I suppose as well we need to also recognise what is feasible for the company to do within their own capabilities and their own financial resources then we move into the product or service um, service design so this is all about your 3D CAD modelling, your concept development, and this is when it, you, you really get the look and feel of what it's actually going to look like. And once we, we, we look at that, work with the client on that side, um, we move it then into the prototyping. 
so again we have a lot of prototype equipment like 3D prototyping um, model making machines we have SLA printers as, and so what we do is we're able to make a mock up of that product for the company then that gives the company the opportunity to actually go onto the market test that we encourage them to break the prototype as much as they can get as much consumer feedback as they can bring it back to the design studio we will take on board all the feedback and then retest that and do a number of different um, prototypes for them at that stage then it's they're at a stage where I suppose they validate the product um, it takes a lot of the risk out of it and then we they can move on then from us to into the manufacturing into design consultants and into the manufacturing of the product um, Ramesh Illich uh, was talking there about 3D printing um, and I've seen the 3D printer set up in, in the Institute of Technology in Carlow you were telling me about some of the, the kit that's at your disposal in SEAM and that's uh, that's available for companies throughout the South East you've worked with over 200 companies can you tell us about some of the some of the equipment that you've got there and how it can help companies innovate yeah actually no we have, we have a, a, a lot of niche equipment in house right for example we have CT scanner right and these the CT scanners are exactly same kind of a CAT scan system which are available in the in the hospitals right this CAT scan equipment look at the human bodies or inside of the human bodies our CT scanners what we have they look at inside of the product right so without breaking the product or without opening the product we can look at it if there's any fault what is the fault in the product yeah and also for example no if uh, we, we can do product design optimization uh, meaning for example once you make a product and if you want to see how much it has deviated away from the original design yeah you can do a CT scan and you can overlay, overlay that with the original design and see how much the product your product has deviated away from the original design yeah so all these kind of things we can do with CT scanning yeah so apart from that now we are also big into 3D printing yeah so we have uh, we have uh, we have a, a 3D printing uh, like in fact we are one of the leading 3D printing centers in the country uh, in the sense um, we do uh, projects in the sense we can um, sorry um, we have we have this 3D printing in the sense we provide training to industries in the area of 3D printing and also we do cost benefit analysis for example if any small industries if they want to find out how 3D printing can help in their product design or product uh, this thing right um, so we can we can look at it and then uh, um, we can we can find out how 3D printing uh, improves their product yeah so Dr. Richard Hayes, in his opening address at the conference, he was talking about opening the gates to third level and, and really bringing in the community and the business community. The equipment that you guys have got and the expertise that, that you've got, uh, your whole mission is to make this available to as many people as possible. Tell us about that, Elish. Um, yes, so we have, a, like Ramesh and Seam, we have a number of 3D printers that um, companies can actually engage, come through the Design Plus um, office and then we can actually scope out what they actually, what the requirements are and then they can actually, we have a technician of, um, on board then that actually looks, that manages all the different um, facilities that we have and then we can develop prototypes for them and in addition to that as well um, we have a new centre for design coming on board as well um, which is led by the Institute of Technology, again there's going to be a huge amount of prototype equipment again just specifically for industry use so it, we'd really encourage anyone out there to actually come through the gateways. And again, if IT Carlo can't facilitate um, your needs, we have, um, we're one of 15 gateways around the country that we can actually collaborate with another institute of technology and um, form the introduction for you. 
and that's part of the whole technology gateway um, network a, a huge resource there not just here in the southeast in Carlow and uh, uh, Waterford but throughout the country how many uh, technology networks are you tied into Ramesh? Altogether no there are 15 gateway centres right in case if you don't have expertise in a particular area then we refer to that to our sister concerns yeah sister technology gateway centres it is distributed throughout the, throughout Ireland um, but in, in the southeast we are fortunate enough to have four uh, um, technology gateways one in IT Carlo and three in WIT yeah um, one of the things that strikes me, though, when I hear about CT scanners, 3D printers and so on, is the cost of this kit. What kind of money do companies need to be uh, thinking of when it, comes to, when it comes to accessing your services? Or is there funding assistance available? There are a lot of funding uh, uh, things available. Yeah. In fact, now Ireland is one country which really helps industries. In the, you know, there's so much of funding pots available. In fact, we technology gateway centers, we tell industries, right, for example, if, say, for example, if it's going to be a longer term projects right so we tell industries there is there's so much of funding available and we help industries write the proposal and get that funding yeah so for example right if it is an irish based client if it is an irish based company you can get funding up to 80% under innovation partnership program and we do we do write we do uh, write the proposal based on their their needs yeah and we submit the proposal and get that funding for the industries and just follow up on what Ramesh said as well if a company doesn't want to go into a big long a long term project like an ACK up to 250k project with us there is an introductory step that what we can um, what we can facilitate as well it's called innovation vouchers so again they're enterprise Ireland funded they're worth 5,000 euro and the criteria for is is company needs to be a limited company and you can also avail of three of these so there's 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 approximately 15k of funding like at your disposal there so again it gives you kind of stepping stone in before you actually get into a full-scale innovation partnership with any of the institutions can you describe a, a typical innovation voucher use then for, say, like a 5,000 project? What kind of projects would you work with businesses on for that? Um, so f- with it, as part of Design Plus, we would work with um, companies. What we normally do is we take them through the first stage of our design process. So we encourage companies to come in at our design strategy phase. So because we're design, we work across multiple sectors, which is quite fortunate because we're not in one niche area. So we bring them in to the college and then it's all about then how we're actually going to look at their innovation how to actually um, how to suppose improve their current research and development capabilities and then we look at the whole we scope and frame their I suppose their idea and then we and then what we do is we bring if it's for example an engineering company that comes into us we'll have designers in the room we'll have product designers a design strategist in the room and we'll also bring bring on board our um, mechanical engineer or software engineer so like there's a huge expertise expertise in the room and we can actually then um, I suppose I suppose we, uh, collectively with the client actually see where the client wants to go with the project and that would be a typical 5,000 euro worth and then after that then we might bring them into pro, um, concept development in terms of product design and they can apply for a further innovation voucher for this so it really is a win-win for all businesses to actually apply for these vouchers and Enterprise Ireland recently changed the application process so um, originally it was only open three times per year but they're doing a pilot program now that it's actually open all year round so you can apply at any stage so again you come through any of the gateway offices and we can we can facilitate that for you and write the application with you so it's a really friendly environment for people looking to innovate so the minister's words are backed up by a lot of support absolutely you know because this impact impact of research or innovation is key to any businesses right so i would urge any industries if, 
if they have not utilized these kind of technology center uh, facilities even to drop in and have a chat yeah, they will see how much they are they are missing out for their businesses yeah um, and what's the best way is it as simple as that Eilish just make contact uh, and, and you'll take it from there and work with people yeah absolutely just um, our website is designplus.ie so we just say just um, give us a call or drop us an email and we'll set up a meeting with you normally what we do is because um, we, we ask the company to come into, the, into our gateway and we'll just get a lot we'll scope out the project with the company over the phone just to ensure that we have the correct um, resource and expertise there when they actually arrive and then at that stage then we will um, we'll help you we'll advise you then on the best form of funding um, for your particular project be it innovation voucher innovation partnership or perhaps local enterprise office funding and you work with the local enterprise offices enterprise Ireland there's a huge a huge ecosystem of supports there yes absolutely because we're funded through enterprise Ireland um, it's great because we have uh, we've we've access then to the enterprise Ireland support network in, in the diff- around the region and again they support us on the application forms um, again we link into a lot of the regional local enterprise offices because as their remit is to work with the startup companies and once they get to a certain stage with the local enterprise office they they transition over to Enterprise Ireland and at that stage then we can, it, it's a really good introduction for us to work with that company then and just help, help innovate and help develop the company in terms of their R&D capabilities. Ramesh, Finally, what's the best point of contact to, to enter into the whole network of supports that you guys offer in SEAM? See, they can just walk into it in the sense, you know, our center is called SEAM, Southeastern Applied Materials Center, you know. So there is, there is no, there is no, the, the companies no, don't need to have any afraid or anything like that. And they can just walk into SEAM. Uh, that it, it is, um, our address is, our website address is www.seam.ie, S-E-A-M.ie. Uh, one thing I urge industries is that you know, all these high-tech niche equipment, they don't have to be scared of or anything like that. No, these are all the technical. Uh, these are all the high-tech equipment which is there to help industries to resolve their day-to-day issues and everything. And the second thing is that no, uh, don't be scared that we are all uh, based in academic center or anything like that. No, so we are. The, our centers are open throughout the year. Yeah, these are all industry-focused centers. Yeah, so we try to resolve the issues as as best as any other uh, commercial center can do. Yeah. Brian Foley, Industry Engagement Manager, WIT. Um, throughout all the discussions we've been having here with people at Amplitude, Brian, industry engagement is is the strong theme running through everything. It's a win-win for both the educational institution and for the companies. Talk to us a bit about that. Absolutely. It's, it's a critical part of our mission. Um, part of our mission is to engage with and support uh, industry locating in the region. One of the key ways we do that is through research and innovation. So we have huge uh, research capability, particularly in our three gateway technology gateways. And the gateway is the idea that it's a gateway for industry to access the research capability of the Institute. So we are constantly pushing out this message to companies that we have a capability that's relevant to meet the needs of your business. And secondly, we're an easy institute to deal with in that we have very well developed protocols and structures and supports which allow companies actually to engage with us and access uh, the research capability of the institute. And business may need different types of support at different stages of their development from the start up to a mature business. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about the different stages? 
Yeah, so, so we would engage with, with companies right across the spectrum from micro enterprises through to SMEs, through to multinational companies. We have dealt with them all uh, within the region. And the way we would approach a company is that typically a company would come to us with a particular problem. We would sit with them and we would work through uh, a project and a program of work where we're actually understanding the needs of the company and uh, offering a solution uh, to that problem or to that challenge. And those challenges, as you correctly s say, uh, vary according to the different stages of development of the company. So for micro-enterprises, it can be something as simple as having uh, a fully validated business plan, uh, having a specification, a technical specification for a product, moving on through to developing a prototype, um, and then finally maybe developing something which is not quite ready for market but pretty close to market that a company can actually take and do further development work on. We find that we work best with companies that have some element of research capability in-house and what they do is they look to WIT to complement that because we have specialist uh, resources and specialist people and so on which wouldn't normally be accessible by a small company. So that's how we complement, I guess, uh, their in-house uh, research capability. I think it's a very interesting um, point that you're talking about people can come with the problems. They don't necessarily have to have the answers because in my experience a lot of people in business feel that if they're going to a bank looking for funding they have to have everything worked out yeah. or if they're going for an award they have to have everything worked out. You're saying that people don't need to have everything worked out? No, sometimes uh, we, uh, we actually help them in understanding what their problem is and articulating that problem. So the way it works best for us is that we would have, for example, a workshop with a company which might last a half a day or a day and we would actually tease out with them what is their challenge and you will often find at the end of that workshop that their understanding of what their problem is is actually different to their understanding before they, they came to the workshop because they realise that really to address a problem uh, a particular piece of research needs to be done and it's helping them just to refine their thinking and uh, to um, to help them to clarify what, what their challenge is. And so can you just give us a breakdown of the different facilities available? You have Arc Labs, you have the Gateways. Sure. So we have the Arc Labs Research and Innovation Centre. So that's our incubation centre. Uh, right now in that centre we have more than 20 companies. They're employing more than 200 people. They would range from very early stage companies employing maybe one or two people, right up to more developed companies employing 30, 35 people. Now when a company comes to us and they say they want to locate in Arc Labs, we say to them that you're actually getting more than just a physical office space, that you're getting first of all access to our research capability because <clears throat> in the campus where Arc Labs is, is uh, located, right across the car park we have the TSSG and what we try to do is we encourage companies who are locating in Arc Labs to engage in collaborative research with the TSSG so this kind of co-location model is very important. And the second thing we say to them is that in addition to the research uh, capability, you're also able to access our enterprise development supports. So we have support programs which take, which go from uh, taking a, gra a graduate with a business idea up to a fully validated business plan. We run an accelerator program in conjunction with the NDRC, which takes them from a fully validated business plan up to being investor ready. So whatever stage the company is at and whatever enterprise supports it needs, we're able to deliver that. And then alongside uh, that Arc Labs Research and Innovation Centre, we have the technology gateways. And they're the guys who have the research capability. For example, the TSSG has more than 100 employees. 
and we try to link in companies into those technology gateways. We've heard about the Minister referred to the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, we heard from Brendan MacDonald earlier on who was talking about the age of disruption. What kind of mindset do you find um, ideally business leaders need to adopt to be uh, to be equipped for the challenges of, of constant disruption and change? I joined the TSSG uh, before I took on the current role in 2009, 2010, around that period. And at the time, the bulk of the engagement between the TSSG, just using that as an example, was with ICT companies. But now what we're finding is that it's non-ICT companies that are engaging with the TSSG because they realise that their process or uh, their production system needs to be made smarter by the application of ICT. So in terms of uh, Industry 4.0, which is applying uh, applying, um, Internet of Things and um, ICT to manufacturing processes, for example, in terms of the factories of the future, we're finding that in all sectors, companies are coming to us They know that they want to make sure that they're bringing in the most advanced ICT into their own business. And that's how we are seeing the mindset of industry changing in that even engineering companies, traditional engineering companies, they're not looking for engineering expertise. They're actually looking for ICT to make their products smarter. And that's a very important point that people in all industries need to open up to that. I mean, I, I spoke in one of the earlier podcasts about smart agri, and it's, it's, it's been applied in the most basic situations. Absolutely. What we're seeing is a converge, convergence of technologies. So companies like traditional food companies, uh, like a traditional sector like agriculture, they're realising that, particularly in agriculture, there are a huge number of technologies which sometimes have been deployed in other sectors that can be brought in to uh, agriculture and used effectively from everything from food security, increased uh, efficiencies, better decision-making support for farmers. There's huge possibilities. Um, We talk about the fourth industrial revolution, the age of disruption and so on. How do you feel business in the southeast is is, uh, geared up to face those challenges? I think business, based on our experience, uh, have embraced the challenge um, and we are dealing with a huge number of, of companies some of which have had quite traditional business models, but they're realising that to uh, maintain their competitiveness, uh, to increase their efficiency, that they need to look beyond what they traditionally have done. So I think that, based on our experience, we've had huge engagement with a very large number of companies, more than 400 companies over the last five years, and all of them, I would say, realise that standing still is not an option, that they need to see what's beyond their business and what can benefit their business in terms of new technologies. So on our, based on our experience, at least, the companies we're engaging with are very switched on and are tuned in to uh, the challenges and how, for example, advanced ICT, in the case of the TSSG, can actually support the growth and development of their business. Nikki DC, Managing Partner of the Yield Lab Europe. Nikki, you're here talking about uh, funding innovative agriculture projects. Uh, can you tell us a bit about what you told the delegates here at Amplitude? Um, so the Yield Lab is an early stage venture capital fund and we also run an accelerator program. Um, we're part of a global network, so there's actually four funds globally, one in the US, one in Latam, one in Asia Pacific and then one in Europe, which is based here in Ireland. Um, and we invest and support early stage companies and entrepreneurs to set up 
sustainable, scalable, global businesses that uh, improve the sustainability of how we feed the planet and how we produce our food. So they have an environmental impact uh, and there also need to be businesses of global scale and that are, you know, have unique and sustainable competitive advantage. So what's the environment like for people who have innovative ideas in this field? I think we see a lot of projects that are coming through the third level system that there's lots of research and you know good technology and good um, technical people developing a whole range of things I think what's lacking a little in the sector is um, commercial commercial people um, I think if you look at um, the tech side in Ireland you look at fintech and you look at medical devices and pharma there's, there's lots of examples there of entrepreneurs and people who've got involved and have built businesses of global scale and have sold out or, or you know still building those businesses like we've Stripe and we've got Seamus Mulligan with you know and the pharma we've lots of you know great examples of, of people all around the world but we don't really have that yet here in Ireland in terms of ag tech but yet the opportunity is every bit as large so we need people of that kind of caliber to get into this sector and see the opportunities and get behind some of these technologies to scale them globally and I was really impressed by some of the examples of companies that the Yale Lab is involved with really innovative stuff can you give us a small flavour well this is a precision ag conference so there's two companies we have that are precision ag so precision ag is really using technology digital technologies to improve decision making at farm level um, so we have two that would fall into that one is a company in Cork called Apis Protect so they um, they have a device that goes into honey beehives so if you have beehives and you're a commercial honey producer you can't just keep going around checking opening your it's a box so you can't see what's happening inside if you open the box and check them they actually fly away they don't like being disturbed so I think the most you can check is like every month or two months um, and then you end up spending a lot of time and money going around checking hives that are actually fine and then uh, then sometimes you open a, a hive and it's dead and about 40% of hives at the moment die every year so it's a very high level of, of failure rate of hives so if you knew at the time that they're, they're just getting attacked or they're getting a disease or they're getting it's like there's mites and there's lots of new diseases hitting honeybees and much higher levels of, of, of disease and loss uh, than there would have been 20 years ago um, so if you can find out at the time that that's happening you can intervene and you can do something to save your hive so th that's really what they enable you to do so that's kind of a good example of a precision precision farming company and that's an Irish company that's an Irish company based out of Cork they're down in UCC uh, the founder is a lady called Dr Fiona Edwards Murphy and she has a PhD in honeybee health and she's also an electronic engineer so she's write, written all the machine learning algorithms and big data number crunching of all the information out of the sensors to make sense of all of that and built all the electronics and the transmission and the communication infrastructure and the solar energy because these are in remote places in the field so they're solar powered so she's built a lot of the technology side and then she has a strong team around her to help her build that out and commercialise and we're an investor in that company and so what are you looking for from people who've got an idea um, go away and do some work on it <laughs> we don't want ideas ideas are everyone has ideas and um, most of the companies we back would be two to three years old uh, they have a team so there's a, there's a, a complementary skill set there um, strong tech technology on its own you know isn't necessarily going to be something that the farmer or the the, the user will actually purchase and spend money on um, and likewise how you bring it to market and how you scale it and how you distribute it and all the IP and the barriers to entry so that people don't just copy what you've done and say oh that's a great idea let's jump on the bandwagon all of that needs good quality people um, and it needs money and it needs expertise of various kinds and it needs a couple of years of work to actually bring things to a point where you've really got something different and something that's special and do you feel it's a 
good environment currently for the development of new and exciting ag uh, tech projects? Yes, I think Ireland is well positioned. We've got two venture capital funds. We have a 21 million fund. Finisterre have a 20 million fund. Uh, Enterprise Ireland are very supportive. And there's lots of other projects, including this, the TSSG project and other uh, government initiatives to try and support the sector. So, yeah, I think it is a good... I think Ireland is a good place to do business. and uh, We're well placed within Europe. We've done very well in terms of our track record on developing and scaling new technologies and R&D and tax credits and you know we've a whole we've, we've lots of different things here that that help people um, get things to the next level yeah um, and a good environment for ag business what about Brexit and these uncertainties is it just a case of sweeping them under the carpet and ploughing ahead I think Brexit I think the larger agri-food corporates are very important to our sector because they can form partnerships and help the companies um, but I think they're more impacted by Brexit than our companies would be most of our companies are going to market in the US and Europe you know it's not they're not really UK plays so for our portfolio Brexit is not going to be a big issue by and large so Rob O'Keefe head of marketing and digital within uh, Glombia Agri and the whole Rob the whole area of innovation in agriculture and disruptive technology has been a hot topic here today we were talking off air about some of the areas that that it's been applied to it's really making a remarkable impact on agriculture and on the future of agriculture absolutely John yeah look there's um, there's huge benefits I suppose to be had um, it's a very hot topic at the moment the whole agri tech space but I suppose what we're seeing is if the farmer can see the benefits and the value I suppose of using that technology and the difference it can actually make on, on their own farm from an efficiency point of view from a profitability point of view but the huge commodity that's of huge value to farmers these days is time so if that technology can help them save time on the farm before farmers especially dairy farmers were limited by milk quota I think the new quota for farmers nowadays is actually time and, and being able to be more as as effective uh, as possible on farm and in Glambia how are you applying some of this technology in interesting ways in your relationships with your suppliers and your farmer stakeholders yeah I suppose on the Glambia side we'd be the biggest uh, processor of milk within Ireland we have 4,800 milk suppliers um, so we have um, a good relationship with our farmers from selling agri inputs to them but also uh, purchasing milk from them as well so what we're trying to do is through our farm advisor teams is to help farmers um, you know with efficiencies on their farm so recommending the correct inputs that they should be using on the farm then using technologies the likes of NIR scanners to test uh, the quality of their silage so we can actually go in test the quality of the silage and make recommendations then in regards to the types of nutritional products then they should be using uh, to balance diets uh, for, for, the, for the animals so from looking at a nutrition point of view using using technology to, um, to help uh, create those diets also through the use of um, the likes of soil nutrient management planning any technology that we can use there from soil testing, analysing those soil results and making fertiliser recommendations based on the back of that. So it's about using the data on the farm um, to ensure the farmers are more effective in how to use agri-inputs. Agri-inputs are expensive so the farmers need to get most out of those. And with the issues then around sustainability, I suppose farmers need to be very efficient. Um, you know, there's going to be tighter rules in regards to fertiliser use, uh, the likes of protected urea and these type of things and, and water usage, all those things are very, very important. Um, so it's very important that farmers actually get the most from the inputs they use and put the inputs where they need it um, so through the use of animal health and our milk quality results then would be very important as well so we would test the likes of um, 
milk samples for 80% of our farmers for we do bulk milk disease screening results for seven different diseases um, we can feed back that information to the farmer then to give them info to make recommendations if they have a, uh, an issue with a particular disease on farm or like that we can tell them exactly the product they should use how they should administer it so it's all about improving their quality if the farmer's milk quality is better constituents are better they're going to get a better uh, return for it Farmers would traditionally be seen as prudent, slow to change and so on. What are the challenges of, of keeping pace with the, the incredible speed of technological change and the potential it represents? Yeah, we're seeing, John, I suppose, farmers been, um, you know, really starting to embrace technology. Going back to the point of how will a farmer embrace uh, technology, it'll be pretty much if they can see the benefit from a profitability point of view and a time-saving thing, I think is very, very important for them. And you can look at the different farmer types that are out there, Promar did a piece of research there recently where they'll categorise farmers into four different types of persona from your very innovative farmer, you know, could be within Ireland 5 to 10% of farmers will fall into that category. They have the latest GPS technology, they're using smartphones, they're researching online, they're using um, variable rates, uh, fertiliser application, variable rate seeding uh, rates and stuff like that. So they're embracing technology to drive profitability on their business. Then you have the second main category then would be the likes of your, your progressive farmers um, and then at the, at the end of the spectrum then from a technology adoption point of view you would have your, your doer type farmers and those type of farmers will do things the way they always done um, they mightn't embrace uh, technology as quick as the other guys but it, it depends on the technology I suppose and the, the value I suppose a farmer will derive from it we see in the tillage side um, John Deere uh, recently enough did research with 50 of their biggest distributors in the states and what they did is they did a technology analysis to see well look what types of technology are their farmers using on the likes of their John Deere tractors, their combines, their silage harvesters, their sores and that and what they would have found like um, from an adoption of technology and how quickly they'll adopt the technology will be down to ease of use then as well back to the value piece as well is it easy to use Um, is it going to save them time and money and what they would have felt that from those distributors and from the research that nearly 90% of farmers over there were adopting the use of the automatic steering um, and the GPS control there so it meant there that they were an awful lot more accurate when they were sowing their corn they were an awful lot more accurate when they were spraying their crops they were an awful lot more accurate using GPS technology for spreading fertiliser as well it was easy for the farmer to use so they could see the benefit of it. So like if, if it's easy to use, um, saves the farmer time, driving profitability on farm, there's a, there's a much greater impact that they'll uh, adopt that technology quicker. I suppose in many ways today's innovation is tomorrow's norm. If you look at milking machines, I'm old enough to remember when not every farmer had a milking machine. I'd say the vast majority now use milk, milking machines. Looking into the medium to long term, what are the trends that you see looking into the digital future and its impact on agriculture? Yeah, I think data and information for farmers going forward is, is going to be of real value um, and you can see the technologies that are even out on farm at the moment um, the likes of your automatic milking machines like the amount of information and data that farmers can derive from them is absolutely mind blowing the challenge for farmers I suppose will be is to get through that information and get out the information that is pertinent to their needs and will give them kind of actionable insights so I think there's so much information out there I think the, the companies and the technologies that can bring that information 
information, collate it together, aggregate it for the farmer and potentially then make recommendations on what the farmer actually needs to do uh, specific actions that will make a difference and an impact to their farm. So th- there's great technologies out there and I think ag tech is, is a huge area of focus that a huge amount of investment is going into and you can even see the likes of your Amazons and Google, these companies are investing big time now into the area of ag tech um, but I think the key important factor as well for the likes of this technology adoption and the pace of technology in the ag tech sector is is to listen to the farmer. Ultimately you're going to have to listen, get feedback from a farmer if you're bringing out a new technology, you have to bring them in very very closely with you as you develop that product throughout the, 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 the production cycle. You know That must be a huge part of the job, um, how do you go about that? I, I think through the likes of focus groups and even, do you know um, I suppose even a lot of these good technologies that are coming out is actually listening to the farmer's need first of all so rather than just coming out with a technology that you think is, is great and it's cool and it's hip or whatever, it's actually going in getting out on farm and actually understanding the pain points where are the challenges that are there on the farm and we heard it earlier on from uh, with a good presenter here at the conference today uh, from Anulan when we were talking about remote sensing of grass growth measurement they very much so came from a farming background they saw the need um, for farmers to, uh, to measure their grass more effectively and they developed a sensor then that actually could help them do that so it's listening to the farmer as you develop the product then it's going out meeting with farmers working with focus groups with farmers um, and getting that feedback and tweaking the product based on that something that Lombay has always been good at traditionally now so many more channels through which to do it yeah absolutely I think we've been probably good um, throughout the years on product innovation from a, a consumer point of view um, from an ingredient point of view I think what we need to do now is and, and we are there's a big focus in Lombay Ireland on helping farmers become more efficient you know there's a very unique relationship from, from a Lombay perspective that you know there's a mutually beneficial relationship if the farmer is more effective Lombay wins so there's a win-win uh, relationship there so it's very very important that we help our uh, milk processors um, become more effective in, in, in on their farms so whatever technology is available we'll help them use that and, and guide them through the process as well. And that's it for this episode of the Bottom Line Amplitude podcast special. You were listening to Dr. Pat Lynch who is Director of Rycon, Eilish Delaney of the De- Design Plus team in Carlo IT and Dr. Ramesh Raghavendra who's Director of the Seam Centre in Carlo IT. You also heard Brian Foley who is the Industrial Engagement Manager in WIT, Nikki Deasy who is Managing Partner of the Yield Lab and finally Rob O'Keefe who is Head of Marketing and Digital with Glambia Agri. And that unfortunately is the end of the last of our four podcasts about Amplitude 2019, the conference on disruptive innovation, which was brought to you by the Technology Transfer Offices and Research Centres from Waterford Institute of Technology and Institute of Technology, Carlo. Looking forward already to Amplitude 2020. Don't forget, you can listen back to any of the coverage of Amplitude, including our four Amplitude special podcasts, by downloading the KCLR Bottom Line podcast in the Apple Store, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Bottom Line KCLR. Thanks to all our guests and everyone who helped out putting this programme together. Thanks to Deirdre O'Gorman for TSSG, Deirdre Drummy who produced for KCLR, and to John Kane for sound engineering and editing. I'm John Purcell, thanking you for listening and hoping you'll join me again soon. Until then, take care.